You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Screaming on the inside this week, I asked myself for the umpteenth time, what is this foul instrument of torture? I was at the gym, and over near the bikes, I saw a machine that I hadn't seen before, and, and apparently it was, it was going to give me uh, an amazing set of, set of abs. And I kind of thought, I've already got an amazing set. This is somewhat hidden. Um, but um, hey, if it kind of, you know. So I did a little bit of a workout at the gym, and as the, the pain built and muscles started to burn and, and everything within me screamed, stop it, Stuart, stop it, you don't deserve this. Nonetheless, I told myself, this is good. This is good for me. This is, hey, look. This is the only body I'm going to get in this, this lifetime. It's got pros and cons. Some of the pros are it's got an um, un, uninhibited solar panel. Some of the cons are that it's not as close to the sun as it ought to be. But, but you know, every single one of us has a body, and, and it's up to us to kind of take care of it. So we know that in terms of physical health, there are, there are things that we can do, uh, preventative rather than cure. There are good things that we can do to take care of the bodies that, that God has given us. Same with your spirit, same with your soul. Um, we're all into fitness here, a spiritual fitness. We've been doing a health check over a oh, number, of, number of weeks, and we've looked at a number of different things just to check up. But going with the motto that prevention is, is better than cure, I thought it'd be good tonight now to, to just finish, finish up this little series with just a reminder that, that exercise is good for you. Spiritual exercise is, is good for you. And we've got a fantastic passage here in 1 Thessalonians that, that Paul um, writes to the church and he gives them some instructions. He, he gives them some exercises to, to do together. Some are communal exercise. Imagine, you know, kind of like an aerobics class where we're all going together. And some are just individual exercises for you. You can just do it by yourself, by yourself at home. And so, hey, welcome to God's gym tonight. And I'm Stuart and I will be your, your personal trainer. And we're going to go through just a, a, couple of, a couple of little exercises that are going to help us to be a fit church. A fit church. And fit does not stand for foul instrument of torture. It stands for something else, which is much, much nicer. Okay, firstly, I wanted to, to look at exercises that we all should do. So let's have a read of this passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll, I'll read the whole passage to you, actually. Uh, Paul is kind of summing up here um, a, a number of, number of things that he's been touching on. And, and these are his final instructions as he's finishing his letter there. He spent a short time in um, Thessalonica, and, and he had to move on. But he kept sending Timothy back and some other leaders, and they would update him with reports. Now, on one such occasion... Obviously, Paul had heard certain things, and, and so he was writing, writing this letter to them to address those things. And here he is just in chapter 5, finishing up, and here is his final instructions or some exercises that will help them to be a fit church. And if it was going to help them be a fit church, I'm sure it can help us be a fit church as well. So chapter 5, verse 12, and we'll read through to um, verse 24. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. 
Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject whatever is harmful. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. All right, so we've got a few exercises here. And in the first little set of exercises are really exercises we should all do. Now, these are communal ones. We can, we can do them together. Now, the very first one is a little bit awkward for me to talk about um, because it can seem a little bit self-serving, can't it? But let me read it to you there in verse 12. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord or, or look after you or are over you in the Lord, quite literally. Um, acknowledge them and, um, and hold them in the highest regard. Esteem them or honour them um, because of their work. Now, it'd be much easier perhaps if you know, maybe one of you stood up and spoke to this one right now, but, but I guess I can't balk at this, and I've always promised I'll teach you whatever Scripture, scripture says. So um, here, here we go. Let me, let me tell you how much you should honour me. Um, <laughs> think about it this way. You know the commandment to honour your mum and your dad? In, in one sense, it's that same sort of sentiment. Now, you don't have to start calling me dad, but, but it is to, to, to respect someone. You know your parents aren't perfect in every way, but you don't pick on them. You don't talk about them behind their back, do you? In fact, you're, you're insulted if somebody does speak in a, you know, a way that is, is not befitting the contribution they've made to your life. And part of maturity, part of growing up is, is learning that despite their imperfections, you know, um, they've, they've really done an outstanding job. And, and so in the same, same way, I guess, that, that honour is the sort of thing that, that Paul is saying here, I want you to give that same honour and respect to the leaders, those who, who oversee you in the Lord. Now, our difficulty is, in Australian culture, we have a rather egalitarian spirit, don't we? We don't like tall poppies. We don't like anybody standing up or, or so forth or, or having having sort of uh, oversight over us. And we're very, very quick to, to tear other people down. But you know what? Whenever there is a conflict between what the Bible says and what our culture says, Bible trumps culture every time. Now, actually, that's, if that's the only thing you hear tonight and the only thing that you take away from this evening, it's a good thing to take away. Whenever there is a conflict between culture and the Word of God, Scripture, Bible trumps culture. Every time, every single time. Now, some of you may have come from a church or a situation where you kind of feel like, but what happens when leaders aren't deserving of honor or respect? What happens then? I think one of the best things I can say to you in that occasion is that, 
that David in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 24, gives us a wonderful example of, of how to respond to leaders who really don't deserve respect. In that Saul, King Saul, has made multiple attempts on David's life. I mean, morally and in every other way, he is, he's shown or demonstrated instability, insecurity, and many things about a leader that, quite frankly, are not to be respected. Nonetheless, in chapter 24, when he has an opportunity to, to take Saul's life and therefore take the throne, cutting a little piece off his tunic, he is conscience-stricken and, and he realizes, Do you know, I have just dishonored the Lord's anointed. And he says to his men, don't touch him. And he says, I will not lay a hand against the Lord's anointed. So I would say, I would say this, be very, very careful, even in situations where you're not entirely sure that you trust or you find it hard to respect leadership. Be very careful about laying a hand against the Lord's anointed. The Lord himself actually has a way of dealing with these things. Now, David did have to remove himself from an unhealthy situation for his own safety. And that, I guess, is good advice. He was not safe under Saul's leadership. So he removed himself from the, from the kingship, indeed from the kingdom. And he had to flee and, and go somewhere else where he was going to be safe. And, and sometimes, sometimes we may um, unfortunately have to do that. But Bible trumps culture and, and honor and respect is something that, that Paul is saying, I want you to give this to, to your leaders. Um, now, I did this this morning, and I, you know, we've got the, the leaders um, in our church are, are many over many, many different ministries. Often we tend to think of the pastoral team, and we could think of the church council as well. But, but I might just get the pastoral team to, to stand up for a moment, because you might think, for a moment, and staff interns, you might think, well, how, how can I honor them? How can I, um, and remember it says, uh, to show them the highest regard in love. Well, how can I do this? Well, it helps to know what, what is their primary love language. Now, I think everybody's here. Uh, Blair's, Blair's up in the bio box there. Jade is running an errand for me. She's going to be with me in a moment. But, um, but, but I'm just going to go around and ask, ask you all, what's, what's your primary love language? Acts of service. Acts of service. Yeah, Gudrun? Gifts. Gifts. Okay, that's going to come up a bit. There's a bit of a theme. Okay, Sam? Acts of service as well, Matt? Gifts. And this morning you had an adjective there. It was expensive gifts. Yes, yeah, yeah. Andrea? Acts of service again. Lockie? Quality time. Blair from, from up high. Better, better gifts than Matt. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, wonderful. Have a, have a seat. So if you want to... If you want to, uh, by, by the way, there's, there's commonly thought to be five love languages. I've got the sixth. That's chocolate um, and words of affirmation. Um, but if you want to bless one of, your, one, of your, one of your team there or the pastoral team, those who the Lord has charged to have oversight um, with you, that might, be, that might give you a couple of, couple of hints at how to do that. Let me read this, this verse for you in, in the message here, just to let you absorb this and get the, get the spirit of it. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Isn't that a, isn't that a cool way of saying that? 
overwhelm them with appreciation and, and love. And so that's the first exercise. That's a communal one. That's one that we can, we can all do together. And I'm sorry about the awkwardness of that, um, but, uh, but Bible trumps culture. And, and it is a thing. It is a thing. Leaders need encouragement. They really do. They really do. So, so please, um, exercise exercise that. Now there's another little little list, and here's multiple exercises. Again, this is, this is you know, exercises that we should all do, and we can indeed do together, a little bit like the aerobics class, and, and here's a collection of them. Okay, live in peace with each other. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Hmm, that's an interesting one. I actually had to have that when I was, I was a young man. I guess I had a fair bit of bit of energy, and on one one occasion, one of my youth leaders had to had to come up to me and say, Stuart, as I was talking, actually disrespectfully about somebody else, one of the pastors, actually, <laughs> um, and they could, had to come up to me and say, Stuart, that's that's not the way to talk about other people. It's not the way to talk, certainly about one of your one of your pastors. And because this was a mentor, someone that I really, really respected, they only had to say it the once. And they picked me up on a very, very important matter. So um, warn those who are um, idle or disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Um, do not pay back wrong for wrong. Strive to do what is good. Well, here's a... Here's a whole collection of little exercises, and I'm not going to comment, you know, take, take them apart one by one, but, but when you put them together, do you know the picture that you get? Here is this exercise, here is the sort of person that is just striving for harmony. Isn't, don't you get that sense? When you put all of those little commands and exercises together, isn't this the sort of person who is just striving for harmony? Now, when I thought about, well, who do I know who perhaps better than anyone else strives for harmony? You know who I thought of? I thought of Tilly, our, our dog. When we were in America, we had about 90 channels and, and uh, you know, we'd, we'd flick through them, 87, 88, 89, 90. Huh, nothing to watch. And so often, you know, when Bron was feeding one of the kids and just had to be sitting, sitting down, she'd end up on the dog channel. Do you know the dog, the breed of dog that most often was winning the competitions? It was the Australian Shepherd, an Aussie Shepherd. And uh, yeah, there's a couple, couple of families here have, have one. It was the Aussie Shepherd. Um, not called an Australian Shepherd or Aussie Shepherd be because um, it's actually an Australian dog, interestingly, but because Australian Shepherds or farmhands who worked in the US, it was their dog of preference. And uh, so when we came back home and we were able to, you know, we sort of thought, I think we're home long enough now to, to choose, a, choose a pet. We chose an Australian Shepherd and her, her name was, was Tilly and she's a beautiful dog. Would you like to meet her? Yeah? Would you like to meet her? Bring her, bring her in. We have. Yeah, here she, Tilly, come on. Come on down. Here she is. Give her a round of applause. Come. Here, Till. Oh, hello, puppy. Come on. Come on up here. Come on up here. Yes, here she is. So here's Tilly. Oh, good girl. Okay. Sit. Uh, uh, uh. Sit. Sit. Hey. Ah, here we go. All right, shake. Uh -huh. Shake. 
Oh, good girl, good girl. Aren't you good? Yes, yes. This is just like this morning, isn't it? That's twice in one day she's been to church. Okay, okay, stay, stay. All right, oh, very good. Okay, good girl. Ah, 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 ah. Sit. Good girl, good girl. There we go, there we go. This is very exciting, isn't it? So, a couple of characteristics about, about, about the Australian Shepherd. Ah, ah, sit. Good girl, good girl. Ah, watch me. That's a girl. We're going to just sit there just for a moment, just for a moment. Okay. Um, what, are the, what are the characteristics? We're, we're looking here at a number of the exercises. Firstly, one is, one is live in peace with each other. Whenever Tilly comes in from, from outside, um, she has to go around and she has to greet everybody, everybody in the whole house, don't you, darling? She goes around and she, she licks them and she just asks, asks them, you know, you okay? Are we good? Are we good? Are we at peace with each other? She'll go around, she'll find everybody in the house who is in the house at that time, and, and she'll basically greet them. That's basically, you know, we good, we good. She loves to have good relationship with, with everybody in the house. And, and so one of the exercises there, isn't it, Till, is, is, to, um, is to, to live in peace with, with one another. Um, another one is a gentle warning for those who are, who are disruptive. If you happen to not have met Tilly before and you come to the Hunt household, you will hear her. She will be barking, and she is basically, she's looking for strangers. Anyone who might disrupt the pack, anyone who might be disruptive to the Hunt household, she's kind of looking, looking for them, and she wants to know, okay, are you supposed to be here or not? And basically, it's a, a warning or a caution to, to anyone that's going to be, be disruptive. Um, the next part we, we have, have there is to um, encourage the disheartened, encourage the disheartened. Basically, she will come and, come and sit with you for as long, as long as you need it. If you've just had a bad day and you're, you're coming in, she'll, she's there for you. She's there for you. Um, in fact, you know, when you, when you come home, um, if you've just, you know, sort of feel like, oh, the world is a terrible place. I don't know. I've just had such a hard day. She will she just loves to greet you at the door. The fact that you went away and you came back again, that is a miracle. Even if it's only been five minutes. That is an absolute miracle. How do you do that? You're back. Now, she's got a naturally docked tail, meaning it's just part of the breed. They don't have a long tail. So when she's excited, when she wants to, wants to kind of let you know what, you know, how she's, I'm just so glad to see you, she can't wag the tail as such. She just, the whole body has to wag. It's, whoa, 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 whoa. Isn't that true, darling? And we don't make fun of you because of that. But, but she loves to just, just encourage the, the disheartened. Um, help the weak. It says we need to help the weak. On one occasion, Bron and I, we were heading to work and, and we're along this, this skinny road called Ryan's Road. It's, it's quite narrow. And uh, we passed this dog in the middle of the road. It was a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And it was just in the middle of the road, obviously lost, stray, um, beautifully kept. And as we drove past it, avoiding it, we, we drove on and it just started running after us. 
You know, it's got those big, big floppy ears and it's running. If you did it in slow-mo, if this was a dog romance film, it would, the ears would be going like this. And she, was, she didn't know who we were, but somehow she knew she needed to be in that car. So we stopped. Brod actually opened the door because we thought, oh, this, this is not a clever dog. She's out on the road. She's going to get hurt here. So we'll, we'll see if there's some identification tags there and, and if, we can, if we can find out and ring the owner, find out who she belongs to. So we, we did, did all of that. And then we thought, well, we had to leave a message with the owner. What do we do? So we drove her back home thinking that it'd be better for her to, to actually be locked up at our place where she's, where she's safe. Well, Tilly, when she saw this poor stray dog, you know, in terms of looking after the weak and caring for the weak, she just, she just took this little Cavalier King Charles Spaniel in under her wing and, oh, look after you. She was, she was licking, licking the little dog in no time and, and I'll care for you, I'll care for you. And she took, you did, didn't you, darling? Took her into, into her home and, and uh, yeah. Basically, she epitomized what it means to, to help the weak. Um, be patient with, with everyone. As I said, she will sit with you as long as you need company. When you've had a bad day, she will actually sit on you um, if, you, if you need it. Um, she does sort of rather fancy herself as a, as a lapdog as, as well. Um, uh, nobody pays back wrong. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. You know, sometimes you're not exactly the perfect puppy, are you? And she might need disciplining. Sometimes it may even be a sheer neglect. But the next morning, guess what? When she greets you at the door, all is forgiven, all is forgotten. It's a whole new day. The world is just a marvelous place. And you're back. You're still there. I love you. You know, she doesn't pay back wrong by wrong. She doesn't go sulking and holding things against her. You're a bad owner. I'm going to ignore you for a day. No, no, not at all. Next morning, it's all good, isn't it, darling? And so she doesn't pay back wrong for wrong. For wrong. Um, what else we got here? Um, Strive to do what is good. One of, the, one of the things about this particular breed is they love to please you. They just love to please you. So she's actually been fairly easy, easy to train, really. They, they love to do what's right. It's a, am, am I doing well? Am I doing well? Is this what's right? Is this what you want? And so be like Tilly. She, she strives for harmony. She is a great harmonizer. And, and Paul is saying to the, to the Thessalonian church there, do you know what? I want you to strive for harmony as well. These are exercises that if you, if you do them, if you do them together, it will go well for you and, and the whole community. All right, darling, I know how much you want to go back to Jade. It's actually, she's, she's Jade and Bronze Dog. Okay, darling. There we go. There we are. Good. So, in terms of, in terms of exercises, <laughs> yes. <laughs> in terms of exercises we should all do, um, strive, strive for harmony. Be a Tilly. Be a Tilly. Okay. And then, if you've still got, your, got the passage open there for you, so there are some communal exercises. They're exercises that we all do together. And, and now there are some individual exercises. These are ones that you can, you can just do your own workout at home. Um, and and this, will, this will be good for you. In fact, it's a very, very easy little, little verse to, to memorize. How often, before we jump into this, how often have you asked yourself, gee, I, I wonder what God's will for my life is? 
so hard to understand. Some, sometimes I feel like God is silent and I don't know what he wants me to do. Well, here it is. It's really, really easy. God's will for your life. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. This is, this is what Paul is encouraging you to do in verses 16 to 18. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How's that? It's actually God's will for you. I know that we can get caught up with great existential questions and sort of, oh, does he want me to serve him in Antarctica? Or where do you want me, God? Do you know what God wants? His will for you every time, every day, every hour of every day, and every minute of every hour, he wants you to rejoice always, to give thanks, uh, to pray continually and to give thanks in all circumstances. That's his will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, rejoicing. What does, what does that mean? It means to be filled with, with joy, quite, quite literally. And it's not that sort of circumstantial joy, hey, I'm with fun people and I feel joyful. No. When the party's over, when the lights have gone down, when nobody's applauding you anymore or encouraging you, then in all circumstances, whether it's, ah, or, ah rejoice. Now, how do you do that? How do you, where's the switch for that? The switch is actually by, by tapping into a source of joy that never needs to be replenished. That, of course, is the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter 13, verse, verse 52, there's this, this little comment. Paul Barnabas and, and John Mark have just been um, booted out, ejected from Pisidian Antioch. There they've been sharing the message. There was a good response generally, but then they've been asked to leave, and so they're you know, shaking the dust off their feet and they're walking away from this town, you might feel at this moment that, okay, you've probably never seen a more sorry, you know, trio of disciples, right? No. The Bible actually records that they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Now, there's our clue. The sort of joy that they were filled with that's not based on circumstances, so that they're kind of up and down and up and down. That sort of joy that they were experiencing comes from the very Spirit of God. Who's the most joyful person you've ever met? Maybe it's Tilly the dog. But beyond our happy dog, who's the most joyful person you've ever met? Well, one day we will see him with our own eyes. I'll tell you who it is. It is God. Some of you don't have a picture of God as a joyful being. You have a, have a picture of God as a, oh dear, my world's broken and I'm not happy. Well, he's not happy that his world is broken, but he's got a plan and he's got a victory. And he wins this battle and that brings him great joy. God is the most joyful being you could ever consider or comprehend. And one day you will see that abundance of joy in him with your very own eyes. In the meantime, that joy that is in God and God who lives in you, that joy can be yours. And so when Paul says rejoice always, he's, he's effectively saying tap into that joy which is in God who is in you. And regardless of the circumstances around you, you can, you can experience that. Pray continually. I, I found myself many, many years ago um, falling into a bad habit. I would pray in the morning. I'd say, amen. 
And later on, I might think to pray, and I'd say, Amen. And in the evening, I would pray, and I'd say, Amen. Now, what's wrong with that habit? Not like, hey, I got three prayers in one day. That's not bad, right? Here's the thing. Every time I said amen, it was like pressing stop on a, I was going to say a cassette recorder, but um, you don't know what that is, do you? Uh, on an iPod, a musical instrument. It's like pressing, pressing stop. Amen seemed to stop the tune. And, and then this, this long distance where I, I didn't necessarily consider God, think about God, talk to God. And so I, I, I did this little thing where I, I eliminated the word amen from my prayers for a while. Now, it's okay. We'd, there's nothing wrong with saying amen. And we're not going to become the church that won't say amen. It's all right. It's, it's, it's cool. You can say amen. Amen? Amen. All right. But here's the thing that I was trying to help myself to understand is, is to, to just... Just leave the prayer open-ended. So, so I really thank you for these things, Lord. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't close off the conversation, Stuart. Yes, focus on whatever it is that I'm doing next. But remember, I've got this open line of communication with God. I haven't pressed stop. I can just keep praying. I can keep considering God, thinking about God, talking to God. He wants to be a part of everything that I'm doing. Now, I might even be talking to somebody else, but I can also be communing with him. And so have this, this continuous prayer going on. So Paul says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in, in all circumstances. Um, I think I've told you before, when we think, about, we think about spiritual weaponry, we often think about ah, Ephesians 6, that's where Paul says, you know, the armor, the shield. The... Do you know, I think the most powerful weapon that Paul had was thanksgiving. No, I don't think Paul was this kind of upbeat, super charismatic, you know, optimistic, you know, glass half full kind of a guy. Woo! No. No, I think he's a pretty serious, pretty determined, pretty intentional person, but incredibly thankful. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was ejected from cities. He was flogged. He experienced things that you and I would never experience, and yet here he is talking about Thanksgiving. What's that about? I think he realized the secret that it is. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful weapon to lift you out of the doldrums. Brother and I have this, this thing going on with us. You know, if we, uh, like we're married, see? No, but, but if we kind of find ourselves on a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard day, you know, it's kind of, uh, oh boy, we start on this little spiral of feeling down and sad and depressed and we'll pick each other up and say, okay, give me 10. Now, I don't mean push-ups by that. I'm not that harsh a husband. But, but give me 10 things to be thankful about. She'll do the same to me. She'll, she'll, you'll, she'll notice me kind of just feeling a little bit bleak, a little bit tired, and oh, woe is me, having an Eeyore moment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she'll say, give me 10. And what are we doing there? We're just forcing each other to, okay, what are we thankful for in this situation? And it's forced at first. It might be, I'm thank you, thankful, Lord, that my lips are moving. Hmm. And I'm thankful for, and and so forth. But the discipline, all of a sudden, slowly penetrates the heart. And by the time we get to 10, we are seriously thankful for so many things. And all of a sudden, we're lifted from that place of, you know, oh, woe is everything, to, you know what, actually? We're in a good space. We have so much to be thankful for. And God uses thanksgiving to actually, actually lift us out of the clutches of the evil one. So Paul says in terms of personal exercises here, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in, in all uh, situations, in all circumstances. 
For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That is the amazing bit, isn't it? That's God's will for you. doesn't matter where you are. What's God's will for me here? It's the same. Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. But now I'm over here, Lord. Now what's your will? Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. Wherever you find yourself in any given moment of any given day, his will is the same. Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks to God. It is good for you. Those, those simple exercises, I tell you, they can transform your life. You might be feeling weak and frail on the outside, but spiritually, you are just, you are just a muscle man, a bodybuilder. You're a champion, indefeatable. It's huge what these exercises, spiritual exercises, can do for you. And then there's a couple of tips. There's one tip that, that Paul gives us in a prayer, just to finish off. The tip is, is a very, very simple one. He says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. As an example, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and, and reject whatever is, is harmful. What is, he, what is he saying here? Basically, there are times when you're exercising and the muscles start hurting. They haven't been used for a while. This happens to me a lot. And they just start burning and they start screaming, Stuart, stop the torture, stop it. You know, that's the moment where if we were to listen to your personal trainer, I'd say, don't quit. That burning sensation you're feeling right now, yes, it's a signal, but it's a signal that some good things are happening. You're starting to build up some strength and some, some resilience here. Keep going, keep going, push through. Sometimes, when the Holy Spirit is at work in our midst, it can be uncomfortable. It feels like it's burning and we might want to quit, but God is essentially saying, do not put out the Spirit's fire when that happens. When in a community, God gives us prophecy. He gives us the prophetic and that is to build the body up. Hey, are people going to get it right every time? Well, sadly, no, but we're human. Do, you know, um, when I preach, do I, do I get everything perfect every time? No. But you don't stone me. Why? Because we don't give you stones. And <laughs> because you're gracious, generally speaking. That's why we don't hand out stones. You didn't realize, did you? If we get it wrong in the prophetic, what do we do? Do we stone the prophet? No. We, we act in grace, don't we? And we all grow up and we build each other up. Obviously, what was happening in Thessaloniki? Well, well, it would seem that what was happening there was there were some prophets who were getting it wrong. They had a bit of a fixation about the second coming. And we can, we can only kind of imagine what they were prophesying. But it seems that they were probably prophesying things like, it's going to happen now, it's going to happen now. And no, it didn't. And so forth. And people were getting it wrong. Now, remember, Paul is writing this letter from Corinth. I'm going to ask you, speaking as a pastor, what would you do? You're hearing about prophecy going wrong in a church that's far away from you. You can't step in and do anything about it. Wouldn't you just shut it down? It must have been tempting for Paul to say that. Must have been tempting for him to say, oh no, you know, they're going to get it wrong. False teaching is going to creep into the church. Things are going to go wrong. And yet, there he is in Corinth, 
and he's led only by the Spirit of God, and he knows that he cannot quench the fire of the Spirit. What makes a church a church? It's the Spirit of God. What makes this gathering different to the golf club, to the tennis club, to the RSL, to to anything else in society? It's the Spirit of God. Why does the church work? When for all intensive purposes, when you it's cross-generational, it's cross-cultural, it's it's cross-socioeconomics. This is a this is a mix of everything that should and could go wrong. How come the church works? The Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is not to be quenched. Paul knows that if he shuts down prophecy just because some people are getting it wrong, if they start to treat it with contempt, then he is going to quench the Spirit of God. And no longer will the church be all that it is supposed to be. There is an issue of trust here, not in one another, but trusting God to build his church and to do his job. Is Christ the head of his church? Yeah, you may hear about things in a particular church not going well over here or, you know, in such and such a country, the church is under persecution or over here there's false teaching creeping in and you might hear about these things and the question you need to ask yourself, is Jesus Christ still head of his church? If he is, there's hope. You can relax, pray, But you can relax. You don't have to panic. He's head of his church, and he will do what is right. He will do what is right. For the same reason in Corinthians, it's not this passage, but in Corinthians, when people are speaking in tongues, and it seems that there it was being abused a little bit, and and maybe too many people were speaking, there was no interpretation, and it wasn't building up or edifying the body. So Paul, instead of shutting it down, guess what he does? He gives instructions on, on how to create order, make sure that there is interpretation and so forth. So he doesn't quench the Spirit of God. He gives instructions on, on just how to go about this in a way that will ultimately glorify God and edify people. And so we too do well to remember that when the Spirit of God is working amongst us. We're exercising. We're doing the things that we ought to do. God's Spirit works amongst us. And sometimes some of us in our particular areas of gifting, we might get it wrong. Or the Spirit of God himself might make us feel uncomfortable. Well, what do we do then? We trust him. God is still on his throne. Christ is still head of his church. The Spirit of God still dwells amongst us. He will make the corrections that he needs, to, he needs to make. You can trust him with that. And so that's the tip. Just because it burns a little bit, don't quit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. And then lastly, here's the most encouraging thing. There's all these exercises, and you may feel that you're good at them, or you might feel that you're not very good at them. But here's the deal. God is greater than your greatest weakness. You might not be a champion of all of these various exercises. You might feel like you're a um, one person, a fortnight gym attender. You might feel that in some way or another, you're not really equipped like some of the super Christians. Well, here's the encouragement, and this is what Paul prays. It's all right. God himself is working in you. 
And his prayer is this, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He will do it. This is not about your faithfulness to God, because even when you are unfaithful, he cannot be untrue to his character. He is still faithful. This is God's covenant of faithfulness to you. You might let him down. He will never let you down. He is going to sanctify you through and through. I love that little word. Sanctify means he will make you, make you whole and make you holy through and through. He's going to take you and saturate you with holiness. He's going to be soaked in holiness because that's what God loves to do. And this is his promise. He will do it. Spirit, soul, and body, your entire being, God is going to sanctify you. And you will be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is faithful, and he will do it. Let me pray for you. Let me pray the words of Paul over you as a final little blessing at the end of this little series on a health check. The health check is how are you doing spiritually Today is all about being a fit church. It's all really about, about those exercises and practices that we can all, we can all put into practice. There's the, there's the group one, the group session that we do. And remember, that's pretty much summed up by um, strive for harmony, be like Tilly. Strive for harmony, be like Tilly. And then there are individual exercises. It's about rejoicing and praying and, and giving thanks. Be careful. Just because the exercises hurt and it begins to burn, don't quench the Holy Spirit. It's the very Spirit of God within you and amongst us that is able to produce the good work of God that we long to see. And then what an incredible encouragement that even when we fail, God himself is going to sanctify you through and through. Let me, let me pray, pray that for you. Maybe you'd like to, like to stand and let me just pray this little blessing over you. Listen to the words carefully and receive them for yourself. Hear these words. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And all the Lord's people said, tricked you. <laughs> Bless you. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.